everyone. Welcome to Waste and Recycling MEA podcast series. Today, I'm joined by Satyajit Roy, Director, EEC Trading at Elegant Exit Company. Hello, Satyajit. Hi, Swelly. Thanks for having me over today. Let's start off by uh, touching upon the key reasons for ships being recycled and uh, also the benefits. And how does one determine the end of life of a ship to begin with? See, normally what happens is a ship is made of steel completely, if you look at it that way. 98% of the entire ship is made of steel, which can be remelted or re-rolled into something or the other. But uh, the basic assumption would have been like, you know, you recycle a ship and the steel markets are very high. That's not the case in ship recycling at all. Ship recycling has only one factor deciding for recycling, and that is charter rates. The moment your earning drops less than your expenditure, your capex and opex goes high up, it's the best time to take your ships off. Primary example you see last year, in the last two, three years, I would say, container ships, which were very old, should have been recycled, but the markets went so sky high, they actually got them back in the market, repaired them, dry docked them, and this went on and on about it. So in simple words, I would say charter rates is the deciding factor for ships recycling. Uh, Benefits-wise, yes, ships have, um, well, to put in simple words, 25 years at sea, you require really good quality steel. And um, they are content waste amount of, you know, uh, nickel is there and really high quality homogeneous steel is there on these ships. So when you recycle them, a steel mill would not be getting mixed scrap. They'd be getting, you know, exactly say good quality, high grade homogeneous steel. So that's the main benefits for steel mill to look into this entire factor. Are there any regulations and legal framework for ship recycling in the Middle East at present? In the Middle East, there are being some discussions happening around. Globally, we have Hong Kong Convention, which is not yet ratified. It's not in effect. Uh, Europe has passed its own local European ship recycling regulations, which are very strict in terms of no beaching or what they call as impermeable floors to be used for recycling. Now, in this region in the Middle East, uh, there has been some charter for a while. Uh, FTA or the FMA is what they call it, Federal Maritime Authority in UAE has passed a circular last year that they would not like to have beaching of UAE flagged vessels in this region. And they're pretty passionate towards what they want to achieve and they believe that this thing is going to happen in the next 5 to 10 years anyways, globally. So why not just do it right now itself? Is there a market for ship recycling in this particular region and uh, what are the key challenges faced by the sector? I think we have to break this question to a more, in a simplistic manner, I would answer it actually as such. There is a demand for scrap in this region in the last few years. Uh, all the mills in this region have done a wonderful job in having an integrated mill with DRI and everything as such. And over the last few years, the charter of carbon taxes came into play. And this is actually becoming a very serious concern across the globe. Now, Middle East in general has a lot of exports to Europe and North America, and their carbon taxes are very strict. So right now, the best way for a mill to reduce its carbon emission is by using scrap steel. So that demand has been there for a very long time. Now, what is a concern for them is that whenever you go to a scrap dealer, there is no fixed defined quantity of scrap. No one can come and say that thing. They'll say, I have 10,000 tons today, maybe not tomorrow, and so on and so forth. Ship recycling, one way which they have defined, uh, this is Steelman's definition is that, a ship which is very old, which is about to be scrapped, is nothing but floating scrap with a predefined weight. So suddenly, I end up becoming a scrap dealer, a glorified scrap dealer, who can actually give you exactly how much tons of scrap I have at a particular time, and I can plan it at a much more advanced level. 
This planning is very critical for electric arc furnaces because they cannot make a change on their system unless they have assured themselves that there's XYZ amount of confirmed scrap in the facility. Of course, the quality of scrap on ship recycling is much higher than what you get in local markets. So that's also a deciding factor which is encouraging them. Mills in general, uh, I've seen in Bahrain, I've seen in UAE at the same time, they are preparing themselves to consume more and more scrap in the next few years coming in. With regard to contracts, so are there any regulations uh, related to the violation of breach of contract in terms of a sale of ships for recycling? And how is this dealt with at present? Uh, usually, I would say right now they follow the EU laws for USRA, or if not, that is Hong Kong Convention. Uh, in simplest words, when we are recycling ships, we have something called BIMCO. That's the governing one of the governing bodies of ship, uh, you know, shipping in general as such. They have something called BIMCO Recycle Con. So that's a contract which we normally have a standard contract for recycling ships. Um, this normally covers most of the factors which is to be uh, looked into. If there is a breach, uh, well, it depends what kind of breach you're looking at. Are you breaching Basel Convention or Basel laws? Are you breaching EU laws, EUSR laws? Because then the local government over there would be actually looking into the scenario. Uh, I could give an example more deep into this thing is that a European ship owner a couple of years back, I mean, just about two or three years back, he sold a ship to a cash buyer or middleman who circumvented the laws and took the ship from Europe all the way to Pakistan for recycling. So the court in Norway actually uh, sentenced him to six months in prison. And about last year, I believe, the sentence was upheld. So he has to go to jail for the same reason. So these laws are very specific to geopolitical scenarios rather than uh, you know, how, how a country is going to be enforcing the entire law. That's really the main concern over there. With regard to hazardous materials now, uh, who is responsible for dealing with these materials in the structure and equipment of uh, ships? And uh, how does this work? It's always a ship owner. Okay. Yeah, the simplest answer is that if I'm owning a vessel, it's my response to make sure all the hazardous waste, which unfortunately were there on the structure, should be disposed of properly. Uh, European laws are very strict on this. They come and say that uh, the owner must ensure downstream waste management is very strong wherever they're recycling their ships. Uh, this is a concern which people are facing in uh, other parts. See, there are a lot of good yards in India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, but lot of, at the same time, a lot of bad ones also there. And that is what these owners have to be careful about. They need to send to proper yards where downstream waste management is very strict. You wouldn't want a worker exposed to mercury or asbestos. That's, I mean, our moral obligation. No ship owner in the world, ethical one, wants to do that, obviously. Does it work the same way for in, in case of uh, damaged cargo? Damaged cargo is not normally covered by insurance. So, and then the country's regulations comes into play. Uh, I can give you an example of where there was a vessel, a bulk carrier, which uh, sank near, I think it was Malta or Portugal. I forgot exactly where the location was. So, of course, insurance took over the entire thing. And since the vessel was in European waters, European regulations came into effect over there. So, they had to ensure all the laws and regulations of Europe were followed while disposing that vessel. So beaching you had mentioned in between, but uh, with regard to that, uh, beaching of the vessels, now uh, what is the scenario in, uh, in India majorly and also in the Middle East if there is to any extent? No, I do not believe beaching is followed in the Middle East at all because uh, the local governments are very strict. Uh, India, unfortunately, it is beaching. 
but yes some yards are doing a wonderful job in pakistan bangladesh is there bangladesh in recent times has uh, developed a yard i saw recently was the bedlone slipway so it's not beaching anymore over there uh, middle east well we are very fortunate to have this wonderful coastline with wonderful beaches over there so they don't want the beaches to be sort of affected it has a lot of tourist attraction over there likewise the same uh, uae in general passed that um, circular last year that they don't want to have any beaching happening in either in UAE or the vessels being beached anywhere else in the world. Um, it's quite interesting, I would say, is that, you know, if you get a chance, maybe look up uh, the FMA or FTA director, Captain Hayas, where he very um, passionately comes and says that, if I can't allow my beaches to be dirty, how can I allow some other country's beach to be dirty with our ships? That's their basic principles and followers which they want to go with. So in terms of exporting end-of-life uh, ships, now what are the implications and what are the requirements in the regard in this regard in the middle east in the middle east okay so basel ban comes into play obviously over there and basel is just a transboundary movement of uh, you know hazardous waste unfortunately end of life ships is regarded as hazardous waste okay. now if i'm sending a ship from middle east to somewhere else uh, we do not have much of a concern it's just basic paperwork has to be done there's no uh, serious regulations of basel ban coming into play over there because none of the countries in the Middle East is OECD. But if I'm sending a ship from OECD to non-OECD, that's when Basel Band comes into play. And there is an obligation that you cannot uh, send hazardous waste to, non, uh, to developing countries, you could say. Yeah. So that's the only area which can come into play. Now, uh, what in your view uh, does responsible recycling involve? And what steps will best provide for the wider adoption of uh, responsible ship recycling or compliance with required norms? Well, responsible ship recycling is quite an interesting topic in its own ways. The first and the most critical thing is that uh, people who are involved in this process should have uh, you know, companies formed and responsible, and they should be responsible buyers of ships, I would say. Uh, these have to be resident proper jurisdictions, not in some offshore country where legal matters are very lenient in its own ways as such. This will also encourage the ship owners to take a leap of faith, okay, because they're not trying to get into sort of bypassing some laws here and there. Other part of it, of course, was the pull factor, you know, by doing this and by preaching and all. Uh, definitely, if people are given incentives to do the right thing, rather than they're getting punished. What I, I think I would say is that an example of my school days is when the teachers would say, do your homework. If you don't do it, you're punished. I mean, I would be at one point saying like, I just accept the punishment rather than doing my homework. But if she gave me incentive of say chocolates or something or the other, I would have done my work much better and much more elegantly, I would say. Uh, that way I say, if ship owners are, seeing, are able to see the exact benefits by doing the right thing, which they normally do, uh, then like, you know, for example, bankers and all can give better rates for, you know, buying new ships could be better impact investments coming into play. They can showcase the ESG matters much more clearly. This is becoming a very important criteria in today's market. Another area is that lining up of ships properly. Responsive shipping means also means that, let's talk about this way, is that ship recycling ends with steel being consumed, uh, the scrap being consumed by steel mills in general. So steel mill owners cannot make a decision unless they see a lineup of ships in general. So when you have a lineup of ships in a proper manner, and systematically, you know, sort of uh, delegoing these in proper delegoing facilities, which do not involve, uh, uh, you know, infrastructures that have a negative impact on your environment and, you know, a society in general, that would be considered to be more towards a uh, responsible uh, recycling in general. In simplest words, no reputed owner in the world wants to do the wrong thing. 
they always would prefer the right thing unfortunately today we do not have enough facilities which have all the you know uh, check boxes uh, tick marked like some might have a uh, infrastructure which is wonderful but may not have proper downstream waste management or could have high cost of labor some might have everything else but not a proper infrastructure because they're not getting support from the government so ship owners are slightly confused which way to go about now we can't expect them to start making their own yards recycling ships that's going to take a i mean that's a completely wrong way to go about it. then it's like ship owners making their own ship yards building ships again so responsibility uh, recycling would in require you know the owners the buyers the infrastructures and the steel mills coming together taking a proper decision which is meant for the environment and the industry in general as such what we call a circular economy comes into play over there uh, this is a concept which we talk about uh, for example our model in the uae is also very similar to this thing we say we have a ship which is a uae flagship we bring it to uae uh, shipyard we recycle it over here and the whole thing is consumed by a mill in uae itself so you have ship to green steel being produced in one exact area which is enforced by strict laws fta is there the local government is there so they have strict regulations you know looking at the entire thing so this is an example which i can talk about okay so there's a lot of talk about uh, green ship recycling now so what are the key requirements for effective green ship recycling and what exactly is green ship recycling Well this is <laughs> going to be a controversial thing as such uh, as a ship owner whenever you think about recycling you have the conditions in southeast asia which is quite uh, concerning of course so anything which is not there is more or less better standard unfortunately okay in green ship uh, it's just basically ensuring that the ship is not having any kind of hazardous uh, impact on the environment of course workers health safety is also critical over there so it's very similar to ethical recycling nothing much of a difference over there yeah but one area which i strongly sort of you know uh, encourage i'm not saying that it should be completely done is uh, i mean it's really good to have a proper infrastructure where you're recycling the ships i mean it just helps you in terms of uh, your uh, safety of the workers in general as such uh, people are trying their very best to have unique methods throughout Uh, we talked about i think uh, slip phase and dry docks and all throughout the world uh, there are unique ones for example they're using floating cranes to pick up an entire hull of a ship into land so these things are being enforced uh, by various groups across the world even in india surprising there are some yards actually going towards having heavy cranes to lift up and recycle as much as possible in the safest manner so yeah so a lot of improvements happening in india as well on this front of course yes i mean it is an industry which does uh, feed a lot of people more than that it feeds the steel mills scrap requirements across the globe is pretty immense and it's uh, the joke we have is going to be the next, next gold you could say today it you call it scrap but uh, that's the main driver behind steel mills today so when you have a demand for that thing more and more yards are going to be improving as we go about i talked about how beaching facilities were there only in india pakistan and bangladesh whereas a yard in bangladesh recently built a slipway for recycling ships that itself for me is like a big boost i'm like that's wonderful people are taking a difference uh in india itself some governments of states are taking a decision that they are trying to give out land which involves ethical recycling or green recycling which does not involve beaching so they also being very strict and clear about their approach over there of course in the end it's all business so there's a lot of uh, money does come into flow if you do the right thing today's world people talk about impact investments and esgs and everything the moment you do the right thing you will get more and more funds and 
uh, money into your uh, business in general as such. Also. Okay, any additional comments? Ship recycling has uh, evolved a lot of the last 20 years. But that being said, uh, beaching is not a samurai industry like it's been passed from centuries to centuries from, you know, generation to generation, we would say as such. It was an accident industry about 30 years ago. A ship got stuck over there and people found there's a lot of value in the entire scenario. They built up an entire ecosystem around it, which is actually wonderful. Maybe some support from the governments over there. They will do wonders, I would say. That's where I really uh, would say would be in focus area for a lot of yards in general. Thank you so much for your insights and perspectives, Satyajit. And thanks for your time today. It's a pleasure talking to you as always. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, to our listeners, stay tuned for the next episode of our podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify and other channels. Until next time, this is Solia Shanavas signing off. Mm-hmm.